Now, here we are. Look, uh, welcome to the uh, the James Well podcast radio show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I know a lot of people would like to see this as a, a video. A vi- is it called a vlog? A vlog, yes. Is it a vlog? I'd like to be a vlogger. Yeah. Just because it sort of sounds rude. Vlog on the bog. Vlog off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now now my little movies with Asher are becoming such cult viewing for people. Um, uh, maybe I should. Maybe we should do a sort of part of this on camera. Well, we can do part of it on camera, yes. Your part. Yeah. Well, why not your part? I mean, I know you sit there naked in your underpants. Well, that's not really naked, but... Do from the neck up. It's nice coffee. I just got up. Can you believe it? I have just this minute rolled out of bed. I was up before you today. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't go to bed till four o'clock this morning, but there we are. Um, so anyway, uh, lots to talk about. Uh, <laughs> uh, where do you start? Where do you start? On my uh, weekly, well, four-day weekly, Monday to Thursday show on talk radio, uh, I am putting out a regular request to Jeremy Corbyn because he doesn't want to come and talk to me, apparently. Is it got something to do with the fact that I work for Murdoch, or is it just that he doesn't really think he needs to talk to people that don't agree with him? I don't know. Um, but I, I do think it's about time he stopped prattling around like some kind of, uh, you know, sort of uh, um, um, a pre-the Berlin Wall coming down sort of... Uh, I don't, what's the word, really? Some sort of revolutionary. I think he sees himself as a sort of Che Guevara, slightly old and not such a good-looking Che Guevara. I think he sees himself like that. Uh, and uh, this week he said that he, if if he was uh, prime minister, he would want um, to make sure that he knew the socio-economic uh, backgrounds, whatever the f- that means, uh, of people working in the BBC. He thinks that the media is staffed with far too many. Uh, middle-class white people. Well, I don't. I actually, and I don't care whether you believe me or not. I don't actually see colour. I've got friends, and they're friends, and they're you know they've got all sorts of um, racial backgrounds. You know, I don't. I, d- I don't really see the colour of somebody's skin, and I don't think you do when you know them. I mean, you might walk down the road and see, oh, there's a white person, there's a black person, there's somebody from Asia or whatever. I don't know, but. But, you know, it, it's just getting, it's getting on my nerves, to be honest with you. It really is. Um, he's also saying that most people in the media and the BBC uh, got there because they went to public school or they went to university. Now, I actually tend to agree with him. I think one of the problems the media has, they became obsessed with people who have gone to university and done courses on media studies. And uh, listen, I've worked both in the BBC and the commercial sector. And the people who actually make a difference to broadcasting, the people that you want to listen to, are not the people who've been to university or done media degrees. They're the people. Let's take, um, who should we take? Chris Moyles or Chris Evans or, or um, maybe Chris Tarrant. What's, what's going on with all the Chris's? Or, or listen, Anton Deck. Media personalities, broadcasters, don't necessarily need to have a university degree. They don't. And okay, journalists, and let's separate journalists from the, because a lot of, a lot of people want to tell you they're a journalist. I'm not, I mean, what is a journalist? I've never been to a university or a college and done a course in journalism. Uh, But I can do an interview and uh, I can probably do a better interview than people who've been on these courses as well. In fact, I know I can. But I'm, 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 listen, I should know, shouldn't I? So I can. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong, but that's another story. Journalists uh, or people who've been to college and done journalism, some, some, I'm not decrying everyone, but just because you have done the course doesn't mean that you have the talent. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have whatever it is, maybe it's called the X factor, to actually do the job. It really doesn't. And the problem with a lot of the media, it's stuck in this sort of intransient in uh, rut where they think, oh, oh yes, we've got this this uh, this uh, lady here. Uh, she's got a degree, and oh, she's done media. Oh, she, she's going to be great. I don't know why I'm using the female gender, but I felt like it. Uh, another one who just knocks on the door of her local radio station and says, look, 
Um, I, I was working in, uh, in the fast food restaurant down the road, but it's not really satisfying me. And I've always wanted to work on the radio. I listen to your radio station all the time. I've always wanted to work on it. I, I, I don't know the first thing about it, but I've got a passion. I really want to do it. And the editor's probably likely to say, well, go and get yourself a course in journalism, do something like that. And then you've locked, because you could teach on the job. Of course you can teach on the job. And then you might find that this particular lady has got a great voice for radio. You might find that she's got a fabulous personality, not something, by the way, you can learn at college. So I'm, I'm a bit sick of all this wanting to put people into boxes and wanting to know what class people are. What class am I? Do you know what class I am? I, I don't I don't personally think I have a class. Um, but people will listen, oh, he must be upper class. Why? Because I don't drop my H's. I don't speak with a regional accent. My mother was Welsh. My father was English and, and Scottish. He was half English, half Scottish. My mother was fully Welsh. I could talk with a Welsh accent. In fact, I did a job once, you know, for HTV Wales. And I remember the director came on set and said, could I speak with more of a Welsh accent? And my mother said to him, he's more Welsh than you are. Leave him alone. She was sitting in the front row, see? But that's not how I talk. I talk like this, and, and I've always talked like this, and I've no idea why I talk like this, but this is how I talk. And I sniffle up. This whole f***ing diversity thing. We've got to have so many women. We've got to have so many ethnic people. We've got to have so many. We've got to, what we've got to do is get rid of the majority because the majority of people in this country are pink, blotchy, white, pinky, white people of a certain type. And we don't want those, do we? You know, that is a very dangerous line to go down because... What you do is you start to make those people feel disaffected. And those people don't have anything other than this country. They can't say, oh, well, I've got a heritage from the Caribbean or I've got a heritage from China or I've got a heritage from, from Eastern Europe or whatever. They have only got their parentage and heritage from here. And once you start making them feel unwanted and unloved, well, personally, I think we are on the road to real problems. And the problems are caused by the people who want everyone to be equal. And you can't be equal, because none of us feel we're equal to other people. None of us. We all think, we're all inbuilt to think we are unique. And in fact, we are unique. Uh, and everybody, you know, when you get the sort of socialists of the Jeremy Corbyn, want everybody to be saying, we give everybody a chance. Don't be silly, listen. People who went to public school or to university, some might be very clever and very bright, but I've met some really thickos. And they have, because maybe uh, their family know people and they've had an introduction, and, but they don't get anywhere. They might, they might reach the sort of pinnacle of their, uh, their talent in a fairly lowly job, but they look uh, quite smart and they talk well, so we'll just send them out to have meetings about nothing. Um, People seem to think, oh, well, if you come from a, a, a family where, you know, you have a silver spoon in your mouth or a gold spoon or something like that, then uh, you're automatically going to do better. You might have a few more doors open for you, but that's the luck of the game, isn't it? Are we going to penalise people because they happen to be born uh, in, in, a, in a, uh, a better place than some of the rest of us? Uh, is that what we're going to do? We're going to look down our noses on people who have been, you know, what about people who've achieved enormous, enormous wealth in their lives. I think of a friend of mine. You all know him. I'm not going to mention his name. Um, he, was, uh, he was brought up in one room in Stoke Newington and uh, left school as soon as he could. And he started working um, as a salesman in a shop. And he found he had a talent for selling things. And he, he just went on and on and on and did really well. He now employs thousands of people. He lives in a multi-million pound house and worries about his kids and how they're going to be when he's not there. Of course, he do, you know, they, they, he's got enough money to make sure they never have to do anything, but that's more or less what worries him because uh, they've been brought up in a completely different atmosphere to the atmosphere he was brought up in. But what should he do? Should he, should he not have been successful? And when he was successful... Um, that meant that the trappings of success, and then you have children, and they enjoy those trappings, and they didn't know anything differently. Why do we look down our noses on the wealthy?
I mean, some some people, poor or wealthy, deserve to be looked down on. But why do we why do we get ourselves entrenched in this class background thing? And and Jeremy Corbyn is just trying to do it even more. The person who gets the job mostly should be the best person for the job. I've been incredibly lucky in my life, and I have no idea why. Although over the past few months, I'm beginning to think I wasn't, and and. Uh, at the risk of feeling sorry for myself, you know, when your life partner dies and you're left on your own and you haven't been on your own since you were a teenager, trust me, all sorts of things uh, pop into your mind and all sorts of things occur to you and all sorts of ways of maybe living the rest of your life. But, you know, I never expected to be uh, in a situation like I am now on my own. And, and forget, I didn't even know why I brought that in. Uh, probably because I always thought I'd been incredibly lucky, <laughs> and that's why I probably brought it in. Look, I remember like it was yesterday, failing the 11 plus. I've no idea why I was worried about it, because I hated school. I never really, you know, I didn't pay attention. I wasn't very good, and, and it wasn't until a lot later in life and, and one of my own children was struggling that I realised that I had what he had, which was called dyslexia and I it wasn't even around when I well nobody knew about it anyway so you were just stupid and ended up in the remedial stream at school um and I'm I, I probably uh still are fairly stupid about all sorts of things um but anyway I uh, I then went through school which was absolute shit I went to a secondary mod school me and my best friend Dick Pierce who uh, who ended up working for Ronnie Scott he and I were considered uh, probably the worst people in the school. They, they sat us together, and we used to go in, um, get our registration mark, and then disappear. And nobody said anything. And it was the 60s, so, you know, there was lots to do, music everywhere. In fact, the last year, between the ages of 15 and 16, I don't think we hardly ever went to a lesson. I don't suggest that's a good thing, but that's how we were, and that's what happened. And so um, my mum and dad, who I was brought up in a, a semi-detached, two-bedroomed house in the suburbs, pretty middle class, I suppose, not much money, um, but parents struggling to do the right thing. Uh, in fact, I can, I can remember uh, my dad have, had a mate who lived in the local council estate, and he was always saying how much more money they had than, than he had. Um, and so what is class? That's a, you know, what is, you can't measure class, can you? You, you, you know, I was lucky. I ended up um, in about 1967 or 68. A friend of mine was in a band, everybody was, but I wasn't because I can't sing and I can't play an instrument. Um, and in the, I was thinking, what, what can I do? I want to I be part of this. What can I do? And so I became a disc jockey because it seemed like a really, what do I just talk between records? And there were discos all over the place. And my dad was a publican. And uh, Watney's Beer uh, were opening a whole chain of discos called The Bird's Nests. And they operated um, uh, a little training to anybody who wanted to do it. And I found out because it was in the local pub paper. That's how. And so I went along to this, got a job, and uh, as they say, the rest really is history. And, and then I thought, oh, this is fun. I'll, I'll be an actor. And I did some acting. And then commercial radio came along, and I thought, oh, well, I'll get on the radio. And so I did that. And it's, a, it's not a question because I didn't know anybody. I just decided in my head that I could do that. I went off, played around, and um, and sort of taught myself, you know, what, what is there to sort of chatting? Really, there isn't. And, and I started off at the age of 22. I got my first job, 22, 23, on Metro Radio in Newcastle. And they wanted me to present the evening news show between four and seven. I think, I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, and, and so I, I found myself at that time sitting in a studio. I thought it was going to be a DJ and play records, but, you know, no, oh, no, no. No, we've listened to your, because uh, you had to, to record up a, an audition tape. I did it in my bedroom and uh, on a cassette. And it was really terrible. But for one reason or not, they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we, we'll, we'll have you. You've got sort of voice, sound a bit like a newsreader. So we'd like you just to, to uh, we give you the script. You read this. And uh, then the interviews are played. And I did that for about six months and then ended up saying I wanted to, I, I got the late night show because nobody wanted to do it. And actually, when I think about it, they closed at 10, but then they had to open until 2 in the morning. And so they said, well, we need someone to do that shift. Can you do it? 
there won't be any listeners, but um, we do need because of our, our license we need to do it. And I ended up on there. It was all, all a question, really, of being in the right place at the right time. But having faith in yourself and not being scared of being told you're no good. I mean, my one, my, one ambition was at one time was I wanted to work on Radio 2. And I thought I could do that. You know, smooth music, Radio 2, a, a, a once a week show on Radio 2. Uh, and the director of Radio 2, currently, I think the last time, uh, my agent had said, uh, you know, there's a, a job going on Radio 2 and I wasn't working or doing anything particular. And I remember the email coming out. He said, I've got to read you this. The, uh, the controller of Radio 2 said, hell would have to freeze over before I employed somebody like James Whale. You could get hurt about that, couldn't you? But you just carry on. And I, uh, for whatever reason, I'm back at Talk Radio and Talk Radio has been my home for years and years. And I love talk radio. I love the genre of talk radio and I love the station of talk radio. And uh, I didn't particularly like the people who ran it before the people who run it now. And uh, the people who run it now are brilliant. Um, and when Kelvin McKenzie ran it, it was fantastic. And then when he went, I went. And anyway, the rest is history. Um, but I, uh, the whole point of this, I'm, I'm just sort of rattling on. But the whole point of this is that you know, in the last few weeks, I'm, I'm sick of it as well, by the way, of seeing uh, really lazy news where they go along and they film kids opening their A-level results or their O-level results or whatever results they are and jumping up and down, you terribly excited and you look and you think, they're never going to do much, are they? Terribly excited. What are they going to do? I know it's a terrible thing to say, isn't it, really? But everybody's getting excited. And I remember the time when I was, I didn't have any qualifications. I hadn't taken any exam. So I didn't turn up to school for this sort of thing because nobody thought I was very clever or would ever amount to anything. And quite frankly, the teachers didn't give a shit. And it can be depressing. So the whole point of this is, if you've got a dream, now this is important. You need to want to do something. I was scared. I thought I would and this is, has been with me through my entire life. I thought, and I, I'm still, this is in the back of my mind, I thought I'm going to end up with nowhere to live sitting on the street because I haven't got any qualifications. And people tell me continually, if you haven't got qualifications, you haven't been to university, you won't get a job. You won't be able to do anything. Your life will be terrible. And because I was dyslexic, I am dyslexic, it's not something you get rid of, um, I had a short attention span, do have a short attention span, and people just assume you're a bit stupid, you're not listening, and they talk to you like you're a moron. It's not as bad now as it was then, but equally, equally, more and more people go to university because it's quite easy, apparently, to get in. And there are still, what, 40%, 30 40%, that's a huge amount of people who don't, who aren't academic, who wonder what the hell they're going to do in life, who don't want, you know, I wasn't academic and I wasn't <laughs> practical, so I still can, I can just about put a, a new bulb into a socket. Mrs. W used to do everything. I'm, I'm having terrible trouble doing my accounts at the moment, even the bits I have to do for the accountant. And uh, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to be carted off and stuck in prison or something. But I'm sure it'll all get sorted in the end. I'm useless at everything. The only thing I can do, as far as I can see, is talk. And I can talk about nothing. I can just go on and on and on. But this is important. If you are feeling that you're worthless and useless and there's nowhere for you to go because your mates have all got these O-levels and A-levels and they're all off to university and they don't, look, look. What do you want to do? Because if you wanted to do that, you would find, if you really wanted to do that. I was, I was in a, a place in North London working as a DJ in a nightclub one night. And uh, a chap came in and said, I want to introduce you to this, an old man with long white hair. And he said, I want to introduce you to a man over here who, who, uh, who's been listening to you playing records and he thinks you might have a future. And this man's name was Tony Windsor. And it probably doesn't mean anything to you, but Tony Windsor was a DJ on one of the pirate radio stations. Very old, an American DJ. Um, he's long dead. And, and uh, at the time, I hadn't really heard of him. Uh, but he, he had the most amazing voice when you spoke to him, you know, hello. And he, that, that was his catchphrase. He'd come on the air and go, hello. 
T.W. with you. And um, it, it made the hairs on the back of your neck uh, stand up. But he had a drink problem. That's why he wasn't doing anything much. Um, and he said to me, look, what do you want? I, I, I won't do his voice. I couldn't. And he said, what do you want? What do you, I said, well, I'd, I'd love to get on a radio station. He said, well, the pirate radio stations are coming to a close and you're a bit young. He said, but, uh, you know, radio, radio will happen in this country. It's got to. And we didn't have much. You had the BBC and that was it. And, and everybody was complaining. Well, the establishment were complaining about the pirate radio stations. But, of course, the pirate radio stations meant that commercial radio ensued 40-odd years ago. And it did. So uh, so maybe I did work for them in a, in a strange way. Um, and he said, what, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to get on the radio. And he said, well, why don't you? I said, well, uh, there's not a lot. He said, well, you could go and knock on uh, on the door of, what was it? He said, Manx Radio. There's a little radio station there, he said, and maybe uh, maybe Radio Luxembourg and do it. And I did think about all of this, by the way. But I at that time, I'd already got together with Melinda. We already had two children, and I had to keep busy, and I had to work and doing discos. And I set up a little radio station of my own in the top shop in Oxford Circus. And so I was getting experience myself working in this store during the day. They used to pay me 25 quid a week. And then I used to go and do a couple of clubs and I used to get about 50 quid a night. And back in the late 60s, early 70s, that was quite a lot of money, let me tell you. And uh, I knew people who were managers of shops and twice my age, you didn't get anywhere near as much. And then I thought, I want to get onto radio. And eventually, eventually, by by getting somebody to write some letters for me and by by hook or by crook, I got them to uh, give me a job on Metro Radio. And uh, I remember getting the, getting the letter offering me a three-month contract at £50 a week, and I was earning about £200 a week and doing the other things I was doing. £50 a week on a three-month contract. And it meant that I, um, and Melinda and I talked about this, I had to give up my jobs, if I wanted to take this. I had to give them up. Um, we were living in a council flat in the east end of London on the 18th floor of a council flat, which used to sway in the wind. And uh, I, we, we talked about this. I said, look, what do you think? And she said, well, you've got to do it. I said, yeah, but it's a job. It probably only lasts three months, and then I'll come back here, and we've got nothing. She said, well, if you keep on with that attitude, we won't do anything. So... Um, she moved into the pub with my parents and the kids. I packed a couple of cases, got on the train, went to Newcastle. And when I got there, I got so homesick. And I was, I don't, you know, I'd never really been that far north before. And, um, uh, and the radio station uh, didn't go on um, when it was supposed to. We're getting paid. It's all right. We're getting paid. Um, but uh, the radio station's launch was delayed by a couple of months, so they'd employed us a month before it went, went on air, and so in the end, we were there for about three or four months before we went on the air. Interestingly enough, the people who ran the radio station, uh, and a lot of us came from outside the Northeast, uh, spent those months taking us round. I probably know the borders, the Northeast, Sunderland, Durham, Newcastle, over to Cumbria, up to uh, around sea houses, Holy Island, um, Washington, uh, you name it, I know probably more about the Northeast than people who've lived there all their lives. And then we got on the air, and I was there for three months. I ended up staying there for nearly 10 years. Uh, Melinda moved up. We bought a little house, a little terraced house out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't think, I think I might still have been there, except my dad died suddenly and um suddenly i started thinking what else could i do and i got a job with the bbc i'm, I'm i've sorry i'm going doing my life story which must be a bit dull the whole point of this is that if there is something you want to do don't look if you need to get qualifications and you really want to do something you'll do it but there are other ways and there are more other ways now and when i hear all this bollocks and it is bollocks from politicians and particularly jeremy corbyn at the moment so we've got to open this up to everybody look if you think you're good enough you go there knock on the doors whether it's a radio station whether you want to be an estate agent whether you wanted to be a you know there are certain things you need to have academic qualifications for but there are lots of things that you don't and all you need to really do is want to succeed if you want to succeed then there is nothing stopping you. Because that's what this guy, Tony Windsor, said to me. He said, if you want to do something, when somebody says you can't, don't listen to them. 
And he said, the only way you will fail is because you give up. And he said, you could be trying for years and you never know when you're going to succeed. If you give up, you won't succeed. Keep trying. I can't say anymore now. I think I, I, you might have to edit lots of that because I think I was rambling. That's okay. I, I don't mind a ramble. I do. I don't know. But I do. Every year when when we give all this, you know, showing kids uh, getting their results, it just annoys me intently because you see all the ones with the smiling, happy faces. There are loads who feel dejected and the end of life has come because everybody goes on about, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. People who, who can pass exams um, are able to retain and regurgitate knowledge in a particular way. It doesn't mean they're going to be more skillful at stuff than you are. Totally agree. You see, you, you probably went to college because you do all computer stuff. Yeah, but I didn't attend. I went because my parents expected me to go, and I went there. Mm. I probably attended the first year, maybe, and I, I realized very quickly that I wasn't really learning that much because I knew most of the stuff anyway. So I went around sort of earning money to try and sort of mm. keep down the costs of living as a student. Yeah. Well, I think if my, my parents hadn't had such hard work to do in running a pub, I'm sure my mother would have been on my back the whole time. I remember when, um, when I came back from, uh, from one job and uh, my mum was standing at the top of the stairs, the, the, the pub, you know, the stairs up to the living quarters in the pub with her arms folded. and said, now you've done it. I said, what? She said, now you have done it. Well, what have I done? I've had Melinda's mother on the phone. She's pregnant. What are you going to do now? Oh, <laughs> oh, dear. It was quite a strange time, let me tell you. But anyway, the fact is, though, go back. If you want to do something, I, I, I'm a friend now who uh, runs a production company. They make the Yorkshire Vet. Have you seen the Yorkshire Vet? Uh, I've seen a Yorkshire Vet, yeah. Yeah, on television, a big TV show, and they've done loads of stuff. He's yet to offer me a job, actually. Uh, I must remind him of that. Um, uh, he's a young lad called Paul. Well, he's not a young lad. Now. He must be about 55 now. And um, he he was a chef. In fact, he was a chef in the fish and chip shop down the road in Leeds from the radio station. And uh, and one evening, producer said to me, James, you've got a bloke outside. He's brought fish and chips around. He wants to come and have a look around and see how the radio works. Was it fish and chips or was it a lasagna? Lasagna, I think it was. Yeah, it might have been lasagna. How do you know? You weren't there. You mentioned it last week a bit. Did I? Mm. Oh, right. Was I talking about the same stuff last week? A little bit. You've, you've oh. expanded this week. Oh, right. Okay. Anyway, he came in. And uh, he showed great interest and, um, and you, know, you know, there are things to do and there are always not enough people to do them and... Uh, and I can't, uh, and somebody said, you know, oh gosh, can you just hold this or do that or do something else? And he was, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Do you want to answer the phones? And uh, and he was in. And before I knew where I was, uh, he'd been asking, have you got the number of the program controller? Could I give him a ring? Would you have a word for me and everything? And he ended up doing the mid, I think he did the mid mid morning show for a while after I'd left and, and started doing the TV show. And then he started his own production company. And now he's the boss of that. All from coming and bringing some lasagna around to the studio because he was desperate to get in. And so, you know, if you want to do something, obviously if you want to be a doctor, you're going to have to have a leanings in that direction, aren't you? But there are so many jobs now. I remember, was it Selfridges in London that suddenly said, um, we are such an important store, we are now going to only take university graduates to work in our store. I remember going in once after that news story thinking, what a miserable bunch of people they are at the moment. They all look miserable, don't they? And the BBC did the same. You know, you, you can't get to work at the BBC unless you've got a, a, a degree. And I think that's where we're missing a trick. And I think, you know, what worries me about uh, Corbyn's views is he wants to sort of um, start saying, well, we can only have so many people here and so many people there. And when I went to work at, uh, at BBC Essex, you know, I do, did the breakfast show for a few years at BBC Essex, the bloke who employed me rang me a couple of days after he said, oh, yeah, you've got a job, James, why don't you start, blah, blah, blah. He rang up and he said, look, I'm very sorry, uh, but we've had a diktat from on high. I've got to go and interview some women and see if I can find a woman who's going to do the show better than you, I'm going to have to give it to her. I can prove all this, by the way. Um, and so uh, I said, well, you look, you must do that. 
It must be the best person for the job. Don't give me the job because you feel sorry for me. Well, no, I didn't give it to you for that reason. I said, right, well, you know, let me know. Uh, and by the way, I need to know in a week because I'll go and find another one. So I thought, why should I be buggered about by that? Um, but anyway, I went to do the job because, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing. And, and if there is a woman who's better than me or a man or a man or a man, but this whole thing at the moment, we've got to put women in. We've got to have women shortlists to get more women into Parliament. If you're a, Margaret Thatcher would be appalled at that. Margaret Thatcher would, would be appalled at that. If you're a woman and you want to go into politics, go into politics. My wife used to say any woman who wants to be equal with a man lacks ambition. And I thought that was quite good. And, I, and you know, I'm struggling. Um, You're right. Mm. You know, this whole idea that women, uh, some men have, that women are, are not as important. Not, women are far more important than men, do far more than we do. But there are some things that men are quite good at. And just because you happen to be a man doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Oh, ridiculous. Let's play some music. This is a track called Run by Tapau. Yeah. 
now there we are. That was good. Power's new single out now on iTunes and Amazon. Very good. How did you get hold of that? I uh, texted uh, Carol Decker, as you do. And she was on oh. holiday, as it happens. But uh, she replied and said, yes, could you play my new single, mm. Run, which is available now? Run. Mm. Yeah. Tapao's new single out now on iTunes and Amazon. I quite like that. So go out and get it quickly. Um, right. I've gone on and on and on. Do you think, I don't know whether any of that would be of any interest to anyone. Um, why don't we do tech talk? Because uh, there's loads happening in the tech world. We can go back and slag off Corbyn again. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you've done one of my items, haven't you? The uh, digital well, license. I haven't talked about the digital license. I've talked about the fact that he wants to know what the background of people working the media are, because it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be those people who went to public school. It should be a load of uh, what does he want? People who never wanted to be in the. If you want to be in the media, your politics doesn't stop you. In fact, there are more left wing lovies in the media than there are people like me. Right, I am the sort of person who couldn't get into the media now. Yeah, I'm sure you could. I don't think so. You know, I, I've seen, I work with people come from university all the time, done media degrees, and I am looking, and we've said it before, I am looking for some some young people who want to be talk radio hosts, who want, who've got an opinion, who feel strongly. Now, okay, when I say young, but I'm thinking 30-ish. You don't really get to have a handle on what's going on until you get into sort of out of your 20s, do you? Because you're having too much fun. There's too many social media platforms for you not to get a job. Well, actually, that's a really good point. Social media is probably more important now than the BBC. You can earn from one YouTube video three, four, five, six hundred pounds just from one video. Well, why aren't we? Well, we don't put enough effort into it, really, do we? <laughs> Ah, uh, well, I've got something me and Ash are going to do. I've, I'll tell you when we're not on air. Okay. I've, it came to me yesterday when we would, we did that video. I don't know if anybody's seen it, where we are playing around with a green screen mm. just as a uh, – it was a bit silly, really. But um, And and uh, nothing was – we just did it off the top of our heads. It, uh, I did it 10 minutes – I think we did it 10 minutes before we went and did the radio show. So, yeah, there wasn't a lot of thought, but um, – I quite like doing it that way, I must admit. But I've, I've thought of something I'll tell you later. Anyway, let's do tech talk. Okay, well, yeah, all right. We mentioned Mr. Corbyn, uh, the new messiah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wants to introduce a digital license and get all the uh, social media companies to uh, pay for it. So that pays for the BBC? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, what we need is to take a f***ing great axe to the BBC. They need to have a news channel, yes. They need to be able to do programs that uh, commercial uh, organisers couldn't do. And they need to put money and resources into their local radio stations because, you know, there are not, there's not the money to have news stations. They don't need to play music, by the way. The BBC playing music is bollocks. What they need to do is be a news-gathering uh, information and talk station. Their their local radio stations need to take the place of the local newspapers, which have sadly disappeared. Well, not sadly, who, who you know, but they're not really online either. So, so uh, what do you think of Corbyn's idea? I mean, it's not thought through, is it? No, I th I think I've said it before. I think that uh, everyone should pay towards the uh, TV uh, license by uh, paying their council tax. A little bit more in everyone's council tax. Whether you've got a TV or not, you're still consuming media. But you don't need, right, to pay the sort of amount we're paying at the moment. And the BBC doesn't need to do what it's doing now. And quite frankly, we want to get rid of their director general and they want to get somebody in like Mike Ashley to run it properly. I think it's unfair that they've got a commercial arm of the BBC that makes millions and millions of pounds... Mm. And we don't seem to see any of that. We should get a return. Well, no, absolutely. And I think somebody has to be very hard on them because it's, uh, they sit there very smugly. Uh, and I work quite often for, for, their, for local radio, BBC radio stations. I love to do that. Uh, but, but also, when I, have, um, when I have been on Steve Wright's show a few times on Radio 2 until the controller realised, the, the, the plushness... The plushness of their studios, the leather sofas, the solid oak studio doors, the top-of-the-range coffee machines all over the place, which you and I are paying for. Yeah. 
No wonder they won't let me on Radio 2. Anyway, um, not that I want to go, but, uh, you, you know, the, and, and more tax. That's all socialists think of, more f***ing tax. Yeah. A digital licence. Don't we pay enough in the commercial sector? Who, who do they think they're going to tax? People like Facebook, Google, yeah. Amazon. But well, don't they pay? Well, they don't pay tax, do they? Or do they? They employ a lot of people, though. Mm. Who will pay tax? Yeah. Mr. Corbyn, the invitation for you to appear on my show is still there. Come on, man. Man up. I don't want him on this show. No, not this show. On the radio show. Live. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, water found on water the moon. Water found on the moon. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they've, they've obviously had a wander around with the last time they went up there, and uh, they found some... Never been uh, up there. They've definitely been up there. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, they found water. Uh, drinkable, apparently. Uh, very refreshing. And uh, like a mineral water, really. And uh, they're going to turn it into rocket fuel. Don't know how they're going to do that, but uh, they're amazing. How, hang on. How come I haven't heard this story? There's a lot of stories that I report to you that you've never heard of. I did one yeah, So last why week. hasn't this been on the news? It's all over the news. Oh, I haven't seen it. Well, then it's, I'm breaking it out now, so this is breaking news. Water found on the moon. There isn't anybody on the moon to find the bloody water at the moment, so how did it get there? Ah, uh, well, I think they probably went up many, many years ago, maybe in the uh, 60s, something like that, was yeah. it, the 70s? I can't remember when they last So moon. why is this a story now? Oh, they're just uh, sort of leaking the story now because it's water. Oh, leaking. Water leaking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they can turn it into rocket fuel, apparently, and that thus mm. saving the weight of the uh, <laughs> spaceships that they're flying up to the moon regularly, obviously. And uh, Ah, right. So they'll have like a, a filling station on the moon. Yeah. I wonder if they have a, have a sort of sandwiches and uh, maybe some McDonald's and stuff like that. There yeah, too. a Subway. Yeah, and a Greg's. Yeah. 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 Rather have a McDonald's, but okay. You seem to like McDonald's. Have you had well, it was, yeah, National Burger Day the other day, and everybody was going on about their Ponzi, you know, I've got gourmet burgers coming in, I've got these burgers coming, those but What's wrong with a good old McDonald's? I like a, the, the Whopper with uh, bacon from uh, Burger King. Yeah, that's all right, quite like that. But these trendy burgers, we have to put a stick through it so it doesn't all fall apart because they put so much stuff in there, you can't get it in your gob. I don't like. I don't like any of the filling stuff. I just want the bread and the burger. And the cheese. No cheese. I love cheese, bacon, burger, barbecue sauce. Bring it on! Even the things that look like dead slugs. What? what hang on. What looks like dead slugs? Oh, what are they called? Gherkins. They look like dead slugs. Well, they do to me. Okay. IBM has filed a patent for uh, coffee machine drones. Oh, I'm just going to go and put some coffee in my cup. You carry on talking. Okay, well, uh, we're going to have drones. I won't be long. It'll be two seconds. Okay. Let's go in the kitchen, okay? Okay. We're going to have drones flying around our heads, and you just put your hand up, and it'll know who you are and serve you the coffee that you like. So uh, that's coming very soon, apparently. Hello, you guys. Hello, doggy dogs. Hello, doggy dogs. Okay, I'm back. I turned the machine off. It's a bit cold, but never mind. It's wet. Right, where were we? What were you talking about? Uh, Did drugs. I miss anything interesting? Coffee drones, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what, oh, that's what made you go and get a coffee, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So they're going to fly drones above our heads, and you put your hand mm. up, it'll recognise who you are and serve you the coffee that you like based on the mood you're in at the time. Imagine if they can do that, what else they could do? That's a worry, isn't it? Are we just going to have loads of spilt hot boiling coffee over people as, yeah. uh, as yeah. walking down the high street? Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm glad I'm not going to be here in 50 years' time. Have you seen the new robot made by uh, Kalashnikov? No. Don't, don't tell me it shoots you. <laughs> uh, no, it's well, it might do if, if they put guns on it. Um, apparently it's a laughing stock at the moment. If you have a look at the picture, you'll see. Okay. It's called Igorak. Igorak. Something like that, God, anyway. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, All right, films. What about films? Well, I'm going to tell you about the, the other thing NASA are doing. Oh, what, what? NASA. You're yeah. obsessed with them. Oh, they're brilliant. I mean, they never people. went to the moon. They're brilliant people uh, in NASA. And, uh, yeah, they've yeah got, you're in trouble with NASA. They've got uh, a new um, satellite's going to fire 10,000 space laser pulses at the Earth a second. As if we don't have enough trouble. What do they want to do that for? They're going to measure the height of the uh, water. Yeah, why? To see how the ice caps are doing. 
Well, they melt, and eventually they will completely melt because when this world was a few million years younger, there weren't any ice caps. So ice. Do you know what the ice caps are? Um, well, they're um, bits of ice floating around up north. Well, yes, obviously they are, but they are the remnants of the last ice age. Okay. Right? Yeah. The ice retreated, and all that is left of the last ice age are the poles. And by the way, the poles move as well from time to time. They do. That'll be fun. And the earth wiggles. You know, you can buy ice in places like Tesco's, Morrison's, Safeways in bags. Yeah, I know. Why? Why would you do that? When you get it home, it's probably melted. Oh, I was going to say, couldn't you just send loads of bags up to the North Pole and refill the ice cap? Oh, shut up. Right, let's get on. Otherwise, going to... I wanted to talk about a bit of good news. Good news is that it looks like puppy farming is going to be outlawed. Thank goodness. And let's hang a few of the people who treated dogs in that. Yeah, guys, I know that upsets you, doesn't it? Uh, in that way. So puppy farming, well done to all the people who've worked so hard to get that disgusting and appalling business stopped. And that pet shops will not now be allowed to sell uh, dogs and cats. And I think that's excellent news. Can we ban goldfish as well? Because they always die. Yeah, yeah, I'd, and and all all animals should be. If you want an animal, you should have to to jump through hoops to get it. I remember when I was a kid, you used to be able to win them at uh, at fairgrounds in a little plastic bag, and the amount that got shoved down the drain or the toilet, uh, unbelievable, shocking, absolute shocking. Mm. Mm. Did you want to talk about this film or not? Because it doesn't look very interesting. Oh, the Meg. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, it's it's a uh, it's like a it's like Jaws. Oh, I thought it was all about just some old woman called Meg. No, the Megalodon, Megalodon, Don, Megalodon, Don. Oh, right. Does it eat people? Uh, it eats a lot of people. It's got Jason Statham in it. Does it eat him? Uh, yeah, he dies. Yes. Oh, I like him. I don't like that. So I've just spoiled the movie for everybody. You've spoiled the movie. Forget that. Okay. Uh, don't forget, by the way, you can uh, get my book uh, online. Online, it's, it's well. I mean, in, on our in our website, right? On our yeah, website, yeah. Because yeah, well, a, just write to me. It's a physical copy. It's not online. Yeah, but you yeah. can order it online. You, you can order it online. Yeah, I've signed a hundred of them. Yeah, I've only got a few left. I'm going to send you another box down to sign. Oh, okay. We'll get them soon um, because they're going really cheap, and uh, it's probably time I wrote another one. Well, based on today's show, you don't really need to. You could just put that out as an audio book. Oh well. Oh, I went on too long, did I? Are you saying that's what you're saying? I went on too long. I'm thank saying you for nothing. That. That's all right. No, no, thank you for that. Fine. I know when I'm not wanted. Um, yeah, just go to our website, jameswhaleradio.co.uk, and uh, you can find out about buying the book or even a Whaley um, baseball cap. I think I've only got one left. I could send that to you. All right. Well, when you've made some more, I'll... Um, Big Brother is, uh, is I, I'm quite enjoying Big Brother because when I get back after the radio show, I look at it on catch-up and um, it's almost as extreme as when I was in there. Some um, strange people in this year. I say they probably say that every year, I suppose, but there's some weeks. Well, of course. I mean, well, there's the, there's Rodrigo who uh, looks as if he's a, I mean, I wondered whether he was actually a robot. He's, a, he's Ken, isn't he? Well, he could be, couldn't he? Yeah. He could be Ken. But actually, I'm warming to him. He's, he's not bad, yeah. You know, but the woman with the gob, Natalie, yeah. um, who is obviously doing what Bear did when I was in the Celebrity Big Brother house, and Bear, but I think Bear did it better than she is. She's just being a pain in the ass. Yeah. But she'll probably win. Either Nick Leeson or Natalie will win. That's my prediction. Hardup's a bit of a boring old fart. He'll be the first one out. I think so, yeah. He's quite objectionable, really, isn't he? He, he? he obviously thinks he is slightly superior to some of the others. Yeah, but he's supposed to be a comedian, and he was telling jokes the other night, which were the equivalent of the old knock-knock jokes. I was like, what? Mm. That's, yeah. That, that's not a comedian. That's just somebody in a playground. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, I tell you, I'm warming to the... Uh, I didn't think I would. Uh, I'm warming to the girl who was kidnapped because she had a lot of very negative press. People said, Joe, she made it all up and everything else. Um, and she's very quiet. But the way she has actually taken some of the shit off that woman, Natalie, um, I think has been has been interesting to watch. She's, she's had great dignity in the way that she has uh, failed to take the bait. Mm. 
And what about um, Sally, I hear voices in my head. I mean, I'm, I, I, I have actually met that woman. Um, and I find people like that very objectionable. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, and there are some very gullible people. I know some people who I better not mention who have paid her loads of money to go into their houses and, and do sittings. I find the whole thing bizarre. The whole thing bizarre. I mean, at least Derek Acora can be laughed at and he's entertainingly funny. This woman takes herself terribly, terribly seriously. And she wants to be and has been. She makes a fortune, you know. She she charges people the earth to go around and do readings, and everybody says, oh, she's marvellous. And it's like the king's new suit of clothes. If you paid uh, maybe a couple of grand or something to have somebody come to your house to a dinner party and do a, uh, a readings for your friends, you, you'd say it was brilliant, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want people to think you'd wasted all that money. I've done a, a bit of work in some different theatres around and about, and... Uh where she's been, they've got often stories to tell me, which are quite uh, revealing. Well, I don't believe any of that rubbish. It's like religion. You know, if you can prove this to me, and I would dearly like to know where we go, um, but I, I tend to think we probably just uh, go back to the ether, back to the universe, our, our whatever makes us up, the electrical part of us that never disappears, just goes back to join this whole infinity of of consciousness but i i find I, I do find her quite objectionable i'm sorry it's almost upsetting to watch when she pretends to do uh, readings yeah i interviewed the legendary doris stokes and doris um collins as well and they were like little old ladies well quite large old ladies who sat there uh like the old mediums and what i think happens is i think these people actually do hear voices I think they do, but it's your thoughts, you know. You, you get thoughts in your mind. I, I hear, you know, I suddenly, suddenly a thought pops into my mind and it might be by I hear somebody telling me something. But, you know, it's your brain telling you that. It's you thinking, isn't it? I often talk to myself. Yeah, I know. Anyway, listen, um, I think it's probably time for uh, questions for the whale. I notice lots of people do this now. I've noticed loads of people do this, questions for themselves, because they've, uh, they've seen this programme. Or heard it. Well. I'm seeing it. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Um, Justin Richardson. What's that about? Did me uh, cueing myself. I hope up. you edit that out. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a cue. Oh, good. All right. Okay. It's a... And then I know when yeah. to... Uh, when well, the don't question. Keep... <laughs> I know when questions the whale starts, then. Mm. You should hear the bit where, when it's finished. Yeah. Yeah. Was that them or you? <laughs> that was you, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah. Because okay. they're looking you know, at me. Yeah, cute. Are you ready? Right, okay. Justin <laughs> Just Justin Richardson. Yeah. Uh if you could ban one type of food from British menus, what would it be and why? That's a question for both of us. Okay, you go first. Cheese. Anything with cheese in. <clears throat> Uh, shellfish. I don't like shellfish. Isn't shellfish you know? or snails or anything. I don't like those. Okay. Creepy crawly, creepy crawly things, yeah. Uh, Steve Ward. Please, can you give the Radio Rebels group a mention on your podcast? Thank you. Well, you've done that. Radio Rebels. Check them out on Facebook, I think. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, Alison Taylor Gray. How will they be able to police the puppy farm industry now it's been banned? Well, they won't need to, will they? I suppose it'll be policed by the people buying the puppies. They'll just dob them in. If you if you find somebody who is breeding loads of dogs in a shed or a barn somewhere, let the police know. I will. Uh, Dave Benjamin, can good people do bad things or would doing these things automatically make them bad people? Would good people do bad things? Yeah, well, good people, everybody does bad things occasionally. It's whether you really meant to do them or you didn't. And listen, we're all entitled to mistakes. Nobody is perfect. Uh, Paddy Feehan. Paddy Feehan. That's the one. <laughs> uh, has Boris learnt how to make a proper brew yet? I doubt it. I don't think Boris knows how to do anything very much. He's always had things done for him. Uh, John Hammond. 
And now that you're on talk, what motivates you to carry on with the podcasts? I love it, by the way. Um, what motivate? Well, I like doing it. I mean, what would Rob do if I didn't do the podcasts? And uh, the, the, this is a time. This is it's quite self-indulgent doing this, isn't it? And it's also a completely different. Um, it's. Are you talking to me down there? What? I beg your pardon. Did you hear that? Yeah, gone shy now. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, uh, what I just like doing it. We like doing it. And there is a huge audience uh, from not just in this country but uh, around the world who listen to this podcast. All over the world. I can see yeah, on the, uh, on the logs. The world, yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Big. I wanted to have a go about the Saudis again, but, uh, you know, you've got to be careful. This This whole business of them executing these women because they – dared to uh, actually criticise the Saudi government. Hasn't been in the news much in this country, but is everywhere else. And why, why we actually don't control the Saudis. I mean, it's a small country. Uh, they could quite easily be, uh, be brought to heel. They are allowed to behave in the most appalling and disgusting way. And to take a woman out into the middle of a square and then lop off her head, which is what they are intending to do at the moment, because she had the audacity to criticise the ruling classes in Saudi Arabia, is appalling. And if Jeremy Corbyn wants to think about class systems, maybe he should go and have a look there. <sighs> I think that's enough questions for the whale. All oh, right. Okay. Well, I'm. Uh, I've got. I've got some paperwork to do now, so I think I'll go and do that. And uh, join me again Monday to Thursday, Talk Radio, or uh, if you want, there's over 250 hours of us on this podcast talking complete bollocks. Actually, it might be quite fun to go back a few years and listen to the ones we used to do. True. Yeah. There's uh, there's quite a lot. They're all up there. And uh, don't forget yeah. to check out the uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash James Whale Radio Show, and you can see all the old TV shows. And all your clips with Ash are all mm. there. Oh, that, oh is, is that like my own TV station, would you say? It is your own TV station, yeah. Well, why don't I should record up some, some TV announcements, which could go in between them. And there we are. That was uh, going back to uh, the 90s and the James Well radio show on television. And now it's just coming up to 9 o'clock on Whale TV. Let's look at some of the little videos with him and Ash. If only we could put that somewhere. Why couldn't we? I suppose we could. Yeah. Or I could do it. I could do it in a Geordie accent. Because that's very popular now. Coming up on Whale TV, more of James Wheel and Ash. Very good. Do we have a news bulletin in there as well? Do we have a sort of news at 10? We should do that, shouldn't we? Yeah, then I'd have to time it. I'd have to be there at 10 to press the button every time there would oh yeah 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 well you'd be in the pub then wouldn't you hey did you get that last bill i sent you with all the domain names we just purchased yeah we better get some money in why have we do why have we purchased all those names we we, we now own jameswhale.tv well that's what why don't we put that out why don't we put up a um a thing for that so we did a if i put something on jameswhale.tv like a big tv yeah. screen and then we could play 24 yeah. 7 james whale tv shows well, why don't we do that? No revenue source, though. Isn't it? Yeah, we're doing it all for free. Yeah, Yeah. no, I wanted to make money out of it. There's no, otherwise, how are we going to pay it? What's that cost me? I think that was about 40 quid, I think. Oh, well, fine. You be free with my money. You uh, you carry on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I'd send you afterwards, after we paid yeah. for it. Yeah, no, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, this isn't still on our podcast, is it? This is gone now, hasn't it? Uh, well, hang on, I think it's... Oh, no, it's still on. Well, turn the f***ing thing off. Okay. You're listening to the James Well Radio Show. For more information, visit www.jameswhaleradio.co.uk. Why not check us out on facebook.com slash jameswhaleradioshow or follow James on Twitter at the James Whale. James Whale, the voice of reason.